Amen. Boy, I had a good time last night. I watched the Chiefs win the Super Bowl again. <laughs> oh, boy. I tell you, this, this study is going to get funner and funner as we get into this. It's going to be a lot of fun. But we'll get into uh, some of the apostles. Last week, we covered a little bit of the background uh, we covered a little on the, the list, that all the lists are, are different of the apostles when he chose them. Talked about the inner circle uh, a little bit and why. And we'll go ahead and some of these stuff I'm just touching on, but we will prove later on uh, who these folks are. I mean, uh, Peter and James are the first cousins of Jesus and uh, Alphaeus, uh, you have some other folks there. Alphaeus is the brother of Joseph, and Salome is the sister of Mary. And we'll go through a lot of verses that explain and show you that relationship, and that's why they were close together. They, they, they had a relationship. They'd known each other for all these years. They grew up together. They knew the character of Jesus. Although they did not know him or recognize him as the Messiah, but they knew who he was. And we'll show you these relationships as we go along and get specifically into them. But uh, we also covered last, uh, this last week that there are false apostles, self-proclaimed apostles. He encouraged and commended uh, one of the churches in, in uh, the book of Revelation for exposing those who are false apostles. They are liars. They are not apostles. So you have people proclaiming that they're apostles, but God says they're not. And so this morning as we get into uh, this matter of apostles, and uh, I'm going to go, I'm going to read several scriptures here, so just kind of stay with me. Mark 3 and verse number 13, it says, And he goeth up into a mountain, and calleth unto, notice, unto him whom he would. And that's important. It's not, they didn't have a vote, they didn't uh, volunteer, they didn't submit applications or anything like this. These are choices of Jesus himself. It says, whom he would. And they came unto him, and he ordained twelve. Who set, him, who set him aside? Jesus, he did. He ordained twelve that they should be with him, and that he might send them forth and to preach. You find another passage in Luke chapter 6 and verse 13. It says, And when it was day, he called unto him his disciples... And of them, now notice the difference here between disciples and apostles. And of them, of the disciples, he chose 12, okay, uh, whom also he named apostles. He's the one that called them apostles. Uh, man didn't choose them. Man didn't call them apostles. He didn't say that these were special men. Jesus said that. There are 12 that had unique, uh, a unique office, a unique authority. Uh, they were 
of the tw uh, all of these disciples, but he called specifically 12 to this position, that unique of office and authority uh, of Christ. The apostles' teaching during those early uh, church years, that was the authority. You see that in Acts chapter 2 and verse number 42. It says, and they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine and fellowship and in breaking and bread and in prayers. It was the apostles' doctrine. That was the teaching. That was the authority in these early days. Now, there were others that were sent on missions, okay? But they were not apostles. The same term can be used because it's called a sent one, one that is sent on a mission. But they're not called apostles. They're not given that position. You find that in Luke chapter 10. Uh, they were not given the position or title of apostles. It says, after these things, the Lord appointed other 70 also and sent them two by two before his face into every city. Remember that? Every city and place whither he himself would come. And a lot of people get these, and, and I hear preachers and missionaries go back, and boy, they use this as, uh, as reference to what they're trying to prove, and they get everybody confused. He's not sending out the apostles here. He's sending out 70 disciples. Are they sent ones? Yes. They're sent out. They have a mission. They're sent out on a mission. But these were not referred to as apostles. They were sent ones on a mission. But just like these other apostles, he specifically says these are apostles. And we'll show you this as we go along. Just because they were sent out does not mean that they were called apostles. Uh, for example, Phoebe, remember Phoebe? She was sent. She was sent to carry the word of God to, the, to this, this, this message to this other church. But that doesn't make her an apostle. The, the term sent one, that's what she was. She was sent on a mission. But just because you're sent on a mission does not give you that position of an apostle. Neither does it give you in a position of a deaconess just because she was sent. So all of these things, you've got to take them in context and see what he's saying. And this might help. It really helped me. First thing when I got to Bible college, Dr. Bruce Lackey was my professor, one of the greatest men I've ever met in the Word of God. And he explained this to us. And it really helped me sort through a lot of scriptures that, that I had questions about. And so these 70, they were sent on a mission to proclaim the king is coming. This kingdom, he's offering his kingdom. And that's why he says to the Jews first. He, he was offering the kingdom to the Jews when he came. And that, that's why if you'll notice also in that same passage in Luke chapter 10, look in verse number 9. Luke chapter 10 and verse number 9. And 
He says, and heal the sick therein and say unto them, the kingdom of God is come nigh unto you. But into whatsoever city ye enter. Remember I said, remember that thing about cities because this is what was going on. He said, into whatsoever city you enter in and they receive you not, go your way out of the streets into the same and say, even the very dust of your city which cleaveth on us do you wipe off against you. Notwithstanding, be ye sure of this, that the kingdom of God is come nigh unto you. But I say unto you that it shall be more tolerable in the day that day for Sodom than for that city. If you get this thing in context and understand what was going on back there in these times, whenever a king was coming in and he's going to conquer this land, he would always send his emissaries, his ambassadors out to the city and they would say, the king is coming. This guy, whosoever he is, this king is coming and he wants to be your king. You have two choices. You accept him or you reject him. Now, if they would accept him, if they would receive him, this is what they would do. Every valley shall be filled. Every mountain shall be brought low, and the crooked shall be made straight, and the rough ways shall be made smooth. When they would receive him in honor and to show and prove that they were going to accept him as their new king, they would go out and they'd fill in the holes in the roads. They would cut down trees. They would make the path straight to where when he comes in, he's coming in without any problems or difficulties. And he knows they've accepted him. However, if they do not and would not accept them, I've heard Christians say, well, once I've presented the gospel, if they don't receive it, I'll just kick the dust off my feet. That has nothing to do with you. Has nothing to do with us at all. It had to do with the ambassadors when they go in and say, hey, the kingdom is coming and the king is here. If you receive it, wonderful. If you don't, then he says, kick the dust off your feet and go to the next city because he said, I'm right behind you. And that's why he goes ahead and he says, if they would not receive him, and also remember, John was a forerunner of the king, and what was he doing? He was straightening out those roads. He was getting things in line. But if the king would not, he would pronounce judgment on them and bring his forces into that city and destroy the city. Now, in verse number 10, he says, but unto whatsoever city ye enter, and they receive you not, go your ways out of the, into the streets of the same, and say, even the very dust of this city, which cleaveth to us, we do wipe off against you, notwithstanding, be sure of this, the kingdom of God is come nigh unto you. Woe unto you, Corathan and Bethsheda, for if the mighty works which had been done in thee had been done in Sodom, they would have repented. Woe unto thee, Cordeson. Woe unto thee, Bethsheda. 
He, he pronounces his judgment on those cities. Why? Because they would not receive him as the king. So this whole thing is playing out just like it was in the physical realm when a king would come in, the 70 had a mission to go into these cities, proclaim the king is coming, his name is Jesus, and the kingdom of God is come to you, it's nigh unto you. If you receive it, fine. If not, woe unto you. And Jesus himself proclaims woe, the destruction of those cities, just like it would have been with a regular king. So now you have those 70. What do you do with them now? After Jesus pronounced his destruction on them, once their mission is accomplished, their mission was done. Their job was finished in verse number 17. He says in the 70 returned again with joy, saying, Lord, even the devils are subject unto us through thy name. He said, we did what you said. We went to all these cities, A, B, C, D. The job's finished. Those of you guys who are in construction, you know. You go out there and you lay the foundation. The con you bring the concrete men in. You lay that foundation. You get the concrete done. They don't hang around and put in the electric. They don't hang around and put in the plumbing. They don't start putting the walls up and studding the place in. They don't put the roof on. That's not their job. When their job is finished, it's finished. These 70 were only sent on a mission. When their mission was completed, their job was done. Their commission was finished. Phoebe's her commission was finished. She did her job. It doesn't keep going on and on. The apostles, however, continued until their job was done. What was their job? They were to be the foundation of the church. And once the church's foundation was finished, there ain't no more apostles. Why? Their job was done. They're finished. So it's, it's interesting about, well, people say, well, what about Barnabas? Well, what about Barnabas? In Acts chapter 14 and verse number 14, it says, which when the apostles, Barnabas and Paul, heard of, of, they rent their clothes and ran in among the people, crying out, Barnabas and, and Paul, they're, they're out here, they're preaching, they healed a man. Boy, I mean, everything just goes nuts. They said, oh, the gods are here. They start to worship them, and they say, don't worship us. We're just men. But it calls them apostles. Why? The term sent one is used here. They were sent on a mission. Now, what was an apostle? He was a delegate. He was a sent one, an ambassador of the gospel. We call them missionaries. You say, well, when was he sent? Back in Acts chapter 13 and verse number 2. 
It says, as they ministered unto the Lord and fasted, the Holy Ghost said, separate me Barnabas and Saul for the work whereunto I have called them. It was, not, it was not the people just saying, okay, look, we're going to send this guy. No, the Spirit of God is the one that sent him. And he sent him on a mission. They were missionaries. We well, said, well, what about, well, Paul is included in here. Doesn't that, means, doesn't that mean that uh, uh, Barnabas is in the same category? No, Barnabas was only called to go out as a missionary. Paul was both a missionary and an apostle. Paul had authority. Barnabas did not. Paul did miracles. Barnabas did not. All of these things, he had a specific ministry, Barnabas did. And when his ministry was finished, he's done. He was never referred to by God as an apostle. These are, they, yes, he is a sent one, but his commission was only limited. I was, if you want to call it, a sent one for 21 years over in Africa, missionaries to the, to, to the Uganda. We were sent. God called us. We went. When the job was finished, when God was done with us, he said, that's it. I'm not a missionary now. I'm still in the ministry. God's call does not change. When God calls you to preach, you preach whether, wherever you're at. But the place is a whole different thing. When the 70 finished their job, they were done. Phoebe finished her job, she was done. Barnabas finished his job, he was done. Now, what was their mission? They were missionaries. Just... If I said, how many of you are fathers? How many of your fathers? Okay. Uh, how many of you are a husband? Well, you say, no, that's kind of the same thing. No, it's, it's, it's totally different. You can be a husband without being a father. But you can be a father and a husband at the same time. Two different things in one, one calling here. The same thing. Paul was an apostle of Jesus Christ. We'll prove that later on as we get into him specifically. But he was also sent as a missionary on that special job. So don't, don't let some of these people say, well, you know, these people, they're apostles too. No, no, everybody's not an apostle. He called 12 apostles. And we read several verses on that before here. So let's look at some of these biblical terms and start sorting this out and getting the qualifications and everything. In Luke chapter 6 in verse number 13 and also in Matthew chapter 10, there's two terms that are mentioned here. One is apostles. The other is disciples. What's the difference? Well, at salvation you become a believer. In John chapter 1 and, and verses uh, 28 through 51, a lot of verses there. We see that these people are common men, just common ordinary men. They were disciples of John. They were believers in the coming Messiah. And in this passage, you see that they now, 
as John points them to Jesus, the Lamb of God that takes away the sin of the world, now they leave John and they start following Jesus. And as they spend that day talking with him, they are convinced by the testimony of John and by what Jesus tells them, they are convinced he is the Messiah. And that's why he goes back and he gets Peter. And he says, Peter, we found the Messiah. We know this is the one. So now they're not Old Testament believers as just believing in the Messiah that was coming. Now they are New Testament believers. They have put their faith in Jesus Christ as the Messiah, as that believer. Now, where are they? And it's important you understand where they're at. If that big circle up there is the Sea of Galilee, that's up north, then all the way down you have River Jordan. And you get down to this level and you have the Dead Sea. He said John was doing these things in Bethabara beyond Jordan. Bethabara beyond Jordan is way over here. Jordan is here, it's over here, clear down at the Dead Sea. That's where John was baptizing. That's where Peter and, and James, they were down there. And that's where Andrew gets his brother and brings him to Jesus. Down at Bethabara, down by the Dead Sea. But then later on, they, after they had been with Jesus, they leave him. They go back up to Galilee and they go back to their daytime job. And possibly for months, as they estimate, maybe six, seven, eight months, they're up there fishing. They didn't stay with him. They're up there, went back to their jobs. They're fishermen. And that's why later on, it... it things change and when Jesus comes and says follow me they're up there in Galilee or up there around the Sea of Galilee when he calls them not down at Bethabara two different events two different places 60 miles apart so as we get into this if you start looking at these things you'll be able to sort things out and understand it's not all talking about the same event here all right so they believed in him, they went with him, they heard his teaching, and as they believed in him, he brings Peter, and Peter then understands this is the Christ, and they went back to their full-time jobs. Now, what happens when you become a believer? Believers receive a new spiritual identity. Now we are identifying with Jesus Christ. That's why 2 Corinthians 5.17 he says, therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. When we get saved, we identify with Jesus Christ, the one that we are, have received. And now that we've done that, our life changes. As a believer, it changes. Now, 
believers grow more like Christ as God continues to transform them. They do that through the process of sanctification. Colossians, or for 2 Corinthians 3.18 says, we're changed into the image from glory to glory even by the Spirit of God. He changes us. He conforms us to the image of Christ as believers. Okay? But a disciple is not just a believer. A disciple is more than a believer. The word disciple means a student, a learner, a pupil, one who learns from a teacher. It indicates both thought and effort. You are putting effort into this thing. Now, these guys were believers. They were down at Bethabara when they became believers in Jesus Christ. They left him. They go up to the Sea of Galilee. Now watch in Matthew chapter 4 and verse number 18. And Jesus... Walking by the Sea of Galilee. He's not down in Bethabar anymore. Time has passed. He said now he's up in Bethabar or, or up in the, by the Sea of Galilee and he saw two brethren, Simon called Peter and Andrew his brother, casting a net into the sea for they were fishers. And he said to them, follow me and I'll bring you, make you fishers of men. And they straightway left their nets and followed him. And going on from thence, he saw two other, other two brethren, James, son of Zebedee, and John, his brother, in a ship with Zebedee, their father, men in their nets. And he called them. They immediately left the ship and their father and followed him. Jesus was calling them not to be believers. They were already believers. Now he is calling them to be disciples and to follow him. And they forsook all and followed him. Listen, you don't walk up to a stranger. Just, just try this sometime. Go out to Walmart, walk up somebody in the aisle and say, follow me. And turn around and walk off. What's going to happen? Well, they ought to call the police on you. <laughs> I mean, they say, this person's a weirdo. Well, why did every one of them immediately drop, even walk out on their father on the job and left everything and followed Jesus? You don't do that for a stranger. Nobody's right-minded to do that. The fact is, they knew him. They have known him for some time, for months they have, have believed that he was the Messiah. They had grown up with him. They were first cousins. And now as he comes and says, follow him, they, they, they totally leave everything. It's a whole new way of life. A disciple would usually voluntarily join a master or a teacher or a rabbi. But Jesus, in this case, does it the opposite. 
Jesus goes and those he wanted to be his disciples, he said, you follow me. And they followed him. The disciples had sacrificed so much to be a, to follow a teacher. They would go with him. They would live with him. They would, he would mentor them. He would be teaching them all the time. Many people don't have any idea of the mission field. 90% of what I did on the mission field was teaching. And about 80% of that was done walking along the, the pig trails into a village, out of a village, because I had these guys with me. And they're, they're following, and we're, we're spending the day over and over. We're walking down the paths, and we're talking about this, and we're talking about this, and we're talking about this verse, and we're showing them this. What am I doing? I'm doing the same thing that Jesus did as the master, as the teacher. He is the rabbi. He is teaching them, and that's why he said, all right, fellas, it's time for you to follow me. Not just be a believer. Now it's time to be a disciple. That's why John, it talks about uh, Saul. He, he was a disciple of Gamaliel. He studied at the feet of Gamaliel, and he was taught all the ways of the Lord. He, he was there with him. And that's why I know that Paul saw Jesus and all this, because these high priests were always around Jesus. They knew what was going on there. So it says in verse Acts 22 and verse 3, he brought up in this at the city at the feet of Gamaliel and taught according to the perfect manner of the law of the fathers. John the Baptist had disciples. That's why uh, uh, James and John, they were, they were there with, or Andrew rather, was with John as a disciple. And that's when John said, behold the Lamb of God. And he takes off and they start following Jesus to see where he was staying and all of this. So this whole concept, you, you have to take on a new identity. And this is where we have a, a lot of problem. The disciple would be associated with his teacher and he'd be expected to share his identity. This is why a lot of people don't like Jesus because he lived a holy life. People want to be believers. They just don't want to follow the holy life. They, won't, they don't be a disciple. Oh, they, oh, yeah, I put my faith in him, but that's about as far as it's going to go. And so this whole concept, you had to identify with your teacher. If he was a radical, you became a radical. If, if he was soft and, and putting daisies and gun barrels back in the 60s and stuff, you know, and had the flower children... You'd dress like them, you'd act like them, you'd smell like them, you'd do all of that. Why? You identified with your teacher. They were going to have to identify with their teacher, and that's why Jesus said, look, if they are persecuting me, they are going to persecute you too. And he said, right now, he said, you're not like me. You can't be like me. I am, I am perfect, but one day you will grow in your maturity to be like me. That's why I said in Luke 6, 40, the disciple is not above his master. But everyone that is perfect shall be as his master. He's going to grow like his master, like Jesus. He said in Leviticus eleven forty five, 45, for I am the Lord, I bring 
bringeth you up out of the land of Egypt to be your God. Ye shall therefore, because of who I am, because you're following me, therefore ye shall be holy, for I am holy. We are, as a disciple, we identify with our teacher. This became very difficult for a lot of disciples because Jesus' message was not uh, the norm. It was very hard. It was, it was against the flesh. It's, it's not what they expected. It's not what they wanted to hear. They wanted Jesus to revolt and take over uh, Rome and, and all of this. And he come uh, teaching a whole different message, that wrong thinking, the hard heart. But to them, it was offensive. To them, they didn't want to hear it, and many of them wanted to quit following him. That's why in John chapter 6, verse 26 to 58, Jesus rebukes them for following just to get bread. He said, you're following me just because you got, got some bread, not because who I am. And he taught them then about that he was the bread of life. Now listen to what he said. Many, therefore, of his disciples, when they had heard this, said, This is a hard saying. Who can hear it? When Jesus knew in himself that his disciples murmured at it, he said unto them, Doth this offend you? What and if ye shall see the Son of Man ascend up where he was before? It is the Spirit that quickeneth. And the flesh profited nothing. The words that I speak to you are spirit and they are life. But therefore are some of you that believe not, for Jesus knew from the beginning who they were that believed not and who should betray him. And he said, therefore I said unto you that no man can come to me except it were given to him of my father. From that time many of his disciples went back and walked with him no more. They disassociated themselves with the teacher. Why? It's no different in Christianity today. You start teaching on faithfulness and drinking and witnessing and clothes and marriage and giving and music and people quit. They change churches. Why? They disassociate themselves because the message is hard. Don't ever go to a church that makes you feel comfortable. Because that's what the devil said. They, they had tickling ears and they just got what they wanted. Go to a church that convicts you of your sin and keeps you close to the word of God and close to Jesus Christ that will keep you at the altar that will keep you right with him and going the right way. All oh, some of the things that are, that are preached are not easy. But they weren't easy when Jesus preached them either. We preach out of a, a heart of love, but a lot of the preaching, that's why people leave. Well, uh, they preached against my music. Well, if you like beer drinking and drugs and sex and all of that if that's your key then it's gonna offend you but what does Jesus want not what appeases me my flesh 
But what does Jesus want? He's trying to conform us to that image of Jesus Christ, our master, our teacher. We're trying to identify with him. In Luke chapter 6 and 12, they had not only professed to be believers, but they had already become disciplers. They were followers of Christ. They'd, these disciples had set at his feet. They'd heard his teaching. They'd been instructed by his doctrine. They'd seen some of the miracles. They'd been their training for his work. But yet they had not been sent. Why? Because they weren't ready. Not until Jesus finally cuts them loose. Christ taught that to be his disciple, they must give first priority to Jesus. First priority over family, said, let the dead bury the dead. Say, well, that's kind of hard. No, no, they weren't dead yet. You go back and you look at the context and you look at this. He said, well, you know, I got to go take care of my father. He said, his father hadn't died yet. He was going to go home and just wait there at home and just enjoy life until finally one day his father gets. Then he gets his inheritance. Now I'll come follow you. Jesus said, no, you're not going to wait around for an inheritance. That's not it. He said, I must take place first place over. He said, let the dead bury the dead. Over the home. He said, foxes have holes. The birds have there. Or the, the, he said, let the, the Son of Man have no place to lay his head. We may not have a home. That's why people don't want to go to the mission field. They don't want to give up their home. We've lived in basically, I mean, when it rained, I mean, the water literally run down our walls. We had to take pictures off the wall, everything off the floor, coming through the ceilings. If you sat at my dining room table and it rained, I guarantee you, if you sat on that end of the table, you would get soaked. But yet God has led us to live in some nice places. That's up to him. He has to be first place over family, over homes, over our personal gain. He said, lay up not for yourself treasures in heaven. He said, you put me first. And his disciples must be prepared for hardships and even death. 2 Corinthians 1.5 says, For as the sufferings of Christ abound in us, so our consolation also aboundeth by Christ. He said, we're going to suffer. Be ready for it. But you take it with the right attitude. You understand that God is in control. And even if it's death. Remember what he said about Peter? He said, this spoke he of his death that he would glorify God. So he glorified God in his death. We shouldn't go dying, screaming and kicking and everything. We ought to go, go out praising God as much as we can. Witness to them doctors and nurses. God knows they need it. We're supposed to put God first as disciples. People who are not disciples, that are just believers, they're going to have problems. Why? Because they don't want to be identified with Jesus, yet they still want to be called a Christian. 
They, they don't want to suffer for Jesus. They just want everything good, everything right, everything perfect. And if, he, if anything goes wrong, well, Jesus has forsaken me. God has forsaken. No, no, come on. He hadn't. And God didn't move. <laughs> We're the ones that move. And we need to get back and let God be God. Being a disciple is like joining the military. It entails many things. First thing is you put on a uniform. And they say, cut your hair. You're not going to say, well, wait, I, wait a minute now. I kind of like this style. Uh, lose your hair, son. You have no choice in the matter. You say, we supposed to all have short hair? <laughs> no, I'll just wait for it to fall out. That's not, that's not the issue. When you join the military, you belong to them. They say, cut your hair, you cut your hair. They say, no facial hair, no facial hair. Now they say facial hair. Okay, facial hair. When we went in, buddy, none. They say, get up at 2 o'clock in the morning. You get out of bed. They say, pick up your arms. We're going out and we're going to fight the enemy. You pick up your arms. The same with disciples. We pick up our cross and follow him. Uh, we're going to talk next week about the cross. Let me just run through just a little of this and just as a preliminary, and then we'll, we'll quit for the day. But next week's going to be really interesting. You ever wonder what the cross was? People say, well, he said, burden, take up your cross, whatever it is. And nobody can seem to get a good answer. It's not a physically or social problem or situation not what the cross is people say well I was born into poverty that's just my cross I'll have to bear they say well my my physical problem this 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 is my this is my cross Paul had a had a cross that's not his cross he never says it's his cross well it's just my cross I have to bear listen to what Jesus says about it he said then said Jesus unto his disciples if I'll circle that word. If any man will come after me. It's a choice. You don't have any choice of a physical problem. You didn't have any choice of who your parents were. Where you were raised. You didn't have any choice in that. You're, you're stat that a lot of things. You don't have any choice in. That's not your cross. He said, if any man will come after me. What? He's, my, he's being a disciple. He's following him like he called the, the apostles. Here. Let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. Luke chapter 9 verse 23 says, and he said unto them all, if any man will come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross daily and follow me. Luke 14, 27 says, And whosoever doth not bear his cross and come after me cannot be my, what? Disciple. This is a qualification of becoming a disciple. And as we get into this this next week, the principles of cross-bearing, the principles of being a disciple. Well, you can be a believer. But a disciple is, so, is totally different than a believer, and an apostle is totally different than a disciple. 
And we'll cover the different qualifications of both. And, and it really begins to get interesting. And, and I don't know about you, but I'm having a good time. Well, let's go ahead and pray. I think we'll get out just a couple of minutes before them, but that way they don't complain. Hey, we've got to do something about this, them folks eating over there. And preacher won't let us eat in here. But I did corner him enough to say, if we get something out here in the hall, that we can do that next week. Amen? Just saying. Father, we thank you for your love to us. Lord, your word is so exciting. And, and Lord, there's, there's so much there if we just really uh, take the time to look and to, to study it out. Lord, help us as a result of all this to become disciples of Jesus Christ. And Lord, that you might be honored with our lives and that we might bring glory to you. Lord, bless our class. We love them. Thank you for them. Give us a great service. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you. Take a little break. Maybe get some leftovers or whatever they had in there. That just is not right. <laughs>